You're listening to The Parenting Couch with Sarah Levitt. Little people problems, big people solutions. Hi, Sarah Levitt here. Welcome to The Parenting Couch. Excited to be with you again for another episode. This one actually is going to be slightly different. I want to talk about what it's like raising children in 2020. I mean, never mind COVID. I mean, that's another element, but... Someone posted a thing on Facebook that alerted my attention. And it's something I think about a lot is finding that balance in parenting. Um, And I'm a single parent. The post was one of those copy and paste about all the things that they loved about the childhood that they had from my generation. I'm 42. Um, You know, and there are obviously a lot of incredible things about back then, you know, the lack of technology. I often say it was a lot simpler. And a lot more outdoor play. I feel it was a lot safer, though. I mean, it feels... I know that that things still went on back then, but it feels different now. So I think it's one thing to reflect on all of those things about playing in neighbourhoods, being out till later, one telephone, not having each... You know, there's a lot of wonderful things about that time that I really do recognise and I do appreciate, but we're not living in that time. That's the reality of it. So, you know, there's probably no point comparing except to go, okay, well, now we have switches, we have TVs, we have Wii's, we have games, iPads, tablets, phones, Foxtel, Stan, Netflix, like it just goes on and on. And that's the reality. That's what we have. That's what our friends' kids have. That's what they're talking about. That's what they're comparing. So we know what we had. We know what our kids have. And we know that resilience is important. So I guess the question is, how do you find that middle road? So how do you make sure that your kids are still getting play, eating good food, dealing with conflict, learning resilience, doing sport, all of the things we talk about, and having limited time on screens. Now, everyone has their methods and styles for this, obviously, and their agreements around that and or rules or whatever you want to call it in your house. For doing this, I mean, for me personally, uh, my daughter's not one of those kids that gets sucked in on the screens, and I don't know if that's because from the very beginning, I just went with, you know what, as a parent, I'm going with moderation. So... I would let her watch TV when she was quite small, and I know that it's not for everyone, but that's what I did. Um, She was allowed certain sugary things, and that, you know, again, that's what I did. I know it's not for everyone because I knew and I had experienced myself, a kid that I was at school with, who was not allowed to do anything, really, very restricted in every way. And all I could see as a result of that was lack in regulation because given the chance to eat whatever or watch whatever, you couldn't get her away from it because she was deprived. Now, we know as adults if we're deprived of something, of course, you know, psychologically it means we want it more. And so I just knew going in as a parent, I would try for moderation and balance. And I'm not perfect by any stretch. I'm still, I still, you know have to think about this on a daily basis sometimes I get wound quite up and feel like I'm you know not doing my mummy duties properly because you know she'll eat sausage rolls four days in a row or stick to spaghetti bolognese for two weeks or whatever recently well for the I don't know for quite some time now my daughter's seven and a half she 
won't go and do any classes without a buddy outside extracurricular classes and you know that can be a bit triggering because um it means that she won't do it unless there's someone else with her and if they can't go for a week or something she doesn't want to go and so when she was three and this is where comparisons are a problem too I took her to a ballet class, dance class, and she just left, ran off, sat down, never met the teacher, joined in, did everything with enthusiasm, joy, and in fact said to me, she was three, I don't want you to meet me at the door anymore, wait in the car and I'll come out. And I was like, oh my God, wow, like that was a bit too far the other way, I felt at three, but I also really wanted her to have the opportunity for autonomy and independence, so... I said, okay, you know, parked as close to where the door was and everything as possible so, you know, she could do that and, and feel like she had that level of autonomy, which she did. But, uh, in, and since then, I have separated and that has been a time that she's had to experience and obviously, you know, something that is hard for us both. And so, you know, that that's changed things along the way. But also I know from talking to my own psychologist that currently it's seven and a half or seven Six and a half. It's all very age appropriate to, you know, um, feel tentative about about these things and joining and people you don't know and teachers and obviously and teachers you don't know. But obviously, there's kids that she's friends with that are fine with that, you know, as well at this age. So you know, it's still sort of remembering not to compare your kids to others, of course, and just focus on them and where they're at. And I think the biggest thing, you know, it's been really interesting, and I say that story about my daughter and classes because I decided this term returning back halfway through the term obviously after COVID let's not do any let's just be flexible and free and we'll just go with the flow whatever that looks like giving us time to rest and return to our normal whatever that is um, without too much pressure and stress that's worked really well so I surrendered to okay no classes whatever she didn't want to go back to the class she was doing sports class and suddenly she just loves jumping on the trampoline. She's really physical and really capable physically. Picks up everything that she does for the first time really well and easily, very coordinated. She's very blessed in that way. And so suddenly she really wants to do trampolining classes. And so I've booked her in for a trial. I've been, I mean, I'm an optimist and always like to keep an open mind, but I have also been wondering at what point she might suddenly feel uncomfortable and say oh I'm a bit worried because I don't know anyone nothing absolutely thrilled and excited enthusiastic about going with nobody to this new class so you know kids surprise us at every turn don't they and it's so unpredictable like that but I do know that whenever I you know surrender and let go of those of anything to do with parenting within reason of course you know, it's amazing how then she feels like she's coming up with the idea that it's her and when they feel autonomous and independent um, and that they're making the choice. And I've always tried to make sure she felt like she was part of the decision-making process for well-knowing and there's a strategy involved there. And ultimately, I make the final decisions on most things, of course, um, There are, and boundaries and all of those things. But I feel, you know, from what this post was on Facebook that prompted me to have this conversation is that I think we mistake that childhood for resilience building because if you don't eat your dinner, you go to bed hungry. If you don't follow the rules and do as you're told, there's consequences. 
So I think that, you know, there were positives from that. But I think also, too, that there's a lot of people coming out of that generation that are dealing with a lot of things that happened that weren't positive in that. And so I wonder in resilience building and from my perspective and my experience, it actually, the resilience comes from the support and from being secure. Secure in yourself, and I'm a work in progress. However, I have done a lot of work over the last four and a half years on myself with a psychologist and a kinesiologist and talking and talking and thinking and thinking too much probably. But anyway, and again, it's not anything as in I'm better than or comparing to anybody else except to say that I've tried to work on my security because my bestest and oldest friend in the world is a psychologist and her advice was get secure in you and the rest will take care of itself. And so that's true. The more I've been there for her, secure for her, calm, patient, understanding. You know, when when we went away during COVID and stayed in a cabin on a friend's property, which was extraordinary. Um, But... It took her a bit to adjust to that. There was a lot of screaming over moths and spiders and it was a bit of a stressful time and everyone was unsure and she was feeling that and pulled out of school and, you know, there was a lot going on. And it took a bit to feel comfortable and slowly but surely she did. But I found myself triggered and getting annoyed at the beginning. Oh, come on, it's just a moth, you know, as we do and realising, come on, you need to be supportive of that because that moth represents more than just a moth. Um, and so, you know, returning home, she was scared coming back to our home. We'd been living in a cabin. So whilst we're on a big property, our room was just a room, whereas we have, you know, three bedrooms and so on in our place. Suddenly our place seemed very big and she felt insecure. And it's taken a good six, seven weeks now to get back to her feeling comfortable. And she still has her moments of being scared in the dark. However, you know, again, I just went, okay, you need to just almost swing the pendulum a bit the other way where you're really understanding, you know, overly understanding of the fact that that feels scary and, you know, um, prompting it more, even not just waiting for it to come up, but, you know, putting the lights on and saying, you know, do you want to come with me when I do this? And, you know, sometimes it feels counterintuitive, I know, to do that, but I feel like in my position, and I can only speak, of course, from my own experience, is that Yeah, surrendering. I mean, she sleeps in a bed with me and, you know, I have a bed ready for her when she's ready, set up a bunk bed. And the weekend we had a sleepover, a young friend come and stay and she slept in the room with us on her own mattress so we could all sleep together because my daughter still wants to sleep with me. And granted that began when I separated and, you know, I had my reasons for doing that at the time. Um, I want her to know she has her room and has her bed, which she does. And when she's ready, and I have said, you can, whenever you are feel ready, it's there for you to go. But I also don't, and I know a lot of people disagree with co-sleeping like that, but I just don't feel that, I just don't feel fighting it and resisting and, you know, they get there eventually. And that, and I feel like that's what I've observed after seven and a half years. And I guess that's the thing. It takes a long time as a parent to A, learn about your own child and accept them as they are for who they are, but also to understand that this too shall pass and also that they get there eventually. So, you know, I was very in the beginning 
attached to outcomes and milestones and how she was compared to the other kids in mother's group and what was going on and you know I didn't realize until now in hindsight how my ego was very tied up with all of that and, and worrying about that and that I know you worry in the sense you want your kids to be healthy and safe and everything but you know I was very attached to that sort of stuff and that just puts pressure on and puts stress on you and then the child and so you know I feel at the moment I guess yeah it just prompted me to want to have that conversation about resilience and dealing with the times that we're living in instead of thinking about how it was like and looking at how it is and how we can work with what it is how it is and find find the balance especially now with covid you know things have changed again some for the negative and some for the positive depending on everyone's individual situation but i just wanted to share that story because her her first trampolining class is this afternoon i'm really excited and we'll see how it goes and i can let you know how it goes if it really did end up being such a positive outcome in the end so you know we've got to take these wins as parents so i just wanted to share that with you and just have that chat um and you know i guess it'll be something that everyone's pondering and and does ponder and if you don't maybe now you can ponder about that and remember that you know it's it's a big world and we're there secure and safe people i remember my daughter actually i'll leave you with this said to me once when i got cross and i raised my voice and i don't I try not to do that too often, but obviously we all get frustrated and impatient. But I mean, you know, I I was raising my voice quite a bit and getting quite cross on this particular occasion over something. We had this very tender moment. We sat in the hallway together and she said, if you're my safe person and when you're like that, I don't feel safe, what do I do? So, I know, huge. And she was only six when she pronounced that. So that, of course, pushed me to want to continue to be a better person and a better mummy, which, you know, something I check every day. So thank you for tuning in to The Parenting Couch. Look forward to catching up with you next episode. I hope you're all taking good care of yourselves and doing okay, heading into school holidays. Some are in school holidays, probably listening now. Take care. Be kind to yourselves. We're all doing our best. Bye.